Welcome to the Uneasy Terrain Explorers Club podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Doe, and I'm sitting here over the phone with the one and only Sam Hill, the mastermind behind A Baroque House, Gross Video, the amazing documentary I Cut Your Flesh, and the latest film, Fluid Fields. How are you doing, dude? I'm all right. How are you doing? Pretty good. Um, so we actually had the pleasure of actually meeting in person last year at the Days of the Dead uh, convention in Las Vegas, and uh, we got to nerd out a little bit on our uh, shared interest of extreme Japanese porno films. And um, that seems to have a big influence on the kind of work that you do. And so I was just wondering what kind of got you interested in that kind of cinema, and then what films particularly uh, have had any influence on the films that you make? Um, well, the, the films I make now, like A Broke House, yeah, uh, it's very much of just, just as you said, a Japanese fetish, uh, weird horror porn they did i guess it was just like a thing they did in the 90s to early 2000s and i don't know when i first started finding films uh, more underground films i was just not i didn't really understand about where to find them or i guess a couple years back people were still trading bootlegs and stuff i was just reading reviews like constantly the same reviews about all the films that everybody talked about or I guess that gets traded through bootlegs and those were like the first underground stuff I found. But then I found like some of the other, I guess, more known horror films like flower, flesh and blood and, uh, the Guinea pigs, uh, rubbers lover, um, watch a lot of reviewers on YouTube. But the first ones I found are very much the, the fetish porn horror, like necro and trembling doll of flesh. And I just, they seem like the most obscure, so I just really gravitated to towards those. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's the same for me, for sure. Like, when I first saw the cover for Tumbling Doll of Flesh, I was like, what the fuck is this? I have to get my hands on it. So Yeah, yeah, definitely. That, that image still sticks with me. It's kind of why I kind of, especially for the Broke House and Gross Video stuff, is why I still kind of designed the imagery to, like, mimic that. It's very much like a just a photograph on a weird background. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you just, uh, you've, you've really kind of established yourself in the underground with all the different films and studios that you've made. And you, uh, just actually finished an Indiegogo for your most recent filled fluid fields, which we'll talk about in a second, but you also released a collection called the death trip collection of kind of your earlier work, uh, under the Molly Welsh video and cat four, which were some of your earlier studios. And I was wondering if you could just kind of give us some history behind those films and, and what Molly Welsh was and what Cat 4 was and, and what people can expect who are buying the your uh, your collection of your short films, what to expect when they buy that. Um, yeah. Um, Molly Walsh was... Uh, Molly Walsh Video Productions was just uh, like me figuring things out. I've never really... I didn't go to film school and I was kind of intimidated like i didn't really like making my art or anything i created um out anywhere like anywhere because i just didn't take criticism well back then now i can care less <laughs> uh, um so yeah I, I very much mimicked and watched a lot of the it's when i first started watching a lot of the trauma and and august undergrounds and all these under independent underground films and i was like well let me try this so i did a rough blueprint and uh, did Who Watched Them Die, which is like a very, I guess, yeah, blueprint of a snuff film. And 
did a couple more that were very much more, I guess, cinematic, as in it wasn't like a rough found footage movie, um, which is why I, what I consider cinematic. Um, and they got some attention. Excuse me. Um, uh, they got some attention, but nothing of what it is now. There were some people that definitely bought um, those stuff and definitely supported. And it wasn't like I was really trying to do anything other than just make a horror film. Mm-hmm. And as I got older, because I think I did Who Wants to Die when I was 17, and uh, me being a very, still very, even more so religious person back then, tiptoeing the lines of getting more graphic didn't seem possible to me, just, just based on my beliefs. Mm-hmm. And once I realized I was already getting in trouble in my personal life for that, I was like, oh, well, what else is going, like, might as well just continue exploring what I'm into and creating. And it just kind of went, um, like, out of one into now, which is, you know, Molly Walsh was this, the slasher, very indie horror, Friday the 13th, Halloween. Cat 4 got into more of the, ex- I guess I would say extreme more graphic horror and... Uh, a broke house further is just more experimental and uncensored but like plus so it was just more a gradual kind of turn in i didn't want to basically be known as the dude who made 37 shorts so i just decided to just cut things up and change names and do this and that yeah i've definitely noticed like uh like following your career that your content gets a lot more like intense like every film that you make it just gets more extreme and more graphic and, and things like that. So, um. Yeah, and it, I mean, that's kind of what I did with cutting it up. I didn't want it to be like um, Molly Walsh and then, you know, it's, uh, Molly Walsh be 16, 17-year-olds can watch it. Cat 4, you're kind of getting into the rated R, NC-17, and then like a broke out, so obviously just X-rated adults. So it's, it's like separated in like three different, I guess, categories, which is all under Cat 4, which yeah. there's fourth category yet, but. Um, so kind of leading into a broke house, um, I mean, this is kind of a, my own nerdy question or whatever, but, um, the name a broke house, is that kind of like a tilt of the hat to the aroma planning side label broke? Yeah, 100%. Um, so speaking about broke house, uh, you, you kind of started off that studio with the blood crows and side trilogy. And the first film that you actually released was the second entry in the trilogy with Red Tragedy. And I was wondering, was that like a deliberate move on your part to release the second one first? Or was that kind of like a technical issue and that's why it went out that way? Uh, I knew I wanted to do three, but I just realized if you put out two, people want to know what one and three is. Okay. Um, so it's just more of, a, I guess, a, a crappy marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it definitely got me motivated. Like, I saw the two on there, and I was like, well, there's a first one? Where is it? And then... Uh, and then it gets people, uh, like, searching, like, okay, so I missed one, where is one? And then they realize after kind of people... Add, like, it throws the question of, does anybody know a broke house? Does anybody know where number one is? Because I really wouldn't answer that many uh, questions of that. Like, where's part one? I would just kind of say it's kind of... Like, and then as soon as I started on it, I was like, okay, part one's good. Yeah, I think that was a really smart move on your part because, like, I mean, we're we're in a dealing in a world of collectors, and if we see that there's a two, we're gonna have to get the one. So it definitely had me hunting for a couple days for sure. <laughs> but then I yeah. was like super stoked when uh, when Spit when I found out Spit was gonna come out. 
Yeah, and uh, Spit was just like, um, literally like filmed a couple days later, like right after Red Tragedy. Yeah. Um, but like just hyping it up because I think Red, yeah, Red Tragedy did Indiegogo for it too. Yeah. And that whole time, people, I think, towards the end of it, people were like, oh, it's part two. Like, yeah, so it helps. Um, and then talking about uh, some more about the uh, Blood Crows Inside trilogy, I felt like that trilogy specifically in regards to, like, your work really, really um, plays a lot of homage to the Japanese uh, porno and, and gore films that we are really into. Like, I really saw similarities with Red Tragedy and Women's Flesh, My Red Guts. Um and then similarly with like Sea of Blood, I assumed that was kind of like an acknowledgement to Lady in the Sea of Blood. But its story seems a lot more like Tumbling Doll of Flesh. Um, but what stuck out of all of those was Spit because, yeah, it's got its elements of vomiting and stuff like that with like Terrible Meal. But it really has a story of its own with that whole book and things like that. So am I accurate in those assumptions or? Yeah, definitely the Blood Crows Aside trilogy was supposed to be a mimic or an homage to Tamakichi Honoru's trilogy, like the My Red Guts, Tumbling Doll of Flesh, and Suicide Dolls. Mm -hmm. Like if you kind of notice, Tumbling Doll of Flesh is a straight half porn, half horror, and then Red uh, My Red Guts kind of pulls it back a little bit, so it's like a little bit less porn, more gore. And Suicide Dolls is like just the horror movie. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to do the same thing of just one that's kind of graphic. Spit is kind of like less graphic. But then, like, Sea of Blood is, like, the most graphic. So I kind of went at, like, a weird, different way. But if you if, if I go one, two, three, it kind of goes rougher as it is uh, tamer-ish than mm -hmm. the rest. And then Red Tragedy and Sea of Blood is also just the core. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, and then all three of those films were directed by uh, Akiko Janos and... Um, could you tell us a little bit about who that person is? Is that just another alias for you, or is that another team member for a Broke House? It's another alias. Okay, right on, right on. Um, and before before we actually started recording the audio, you were kind of giving me some context behind that name. Could you could you uh, repeat it so that the people could hear? Well, it's believe me, see, I think it's my head's all jumbled up with so much stuff to do, like I've done today and stuff. Uh, um, but I didn't know Victor Janos was, uh, I guess, the alias of uh, Roger Watkins when he did Last House on Dead End Street. Um, mm -hmm. Whether it's the actor or the director, it's kind of fuzzing me right now. Um, but I took his last name. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, director Victor Janos. And I just kind of pronounced it the way I did, um, yeah. or I thought it would be, and just kind of did a Kiko Janos. And the people know who, like, Close people in my and I guess my life know they'll get the AJ, which is my real name. Okay. Um, Eco Janos, but I still use the A and J. Well, um, that's yeah, interesting. And then, yeah. Um. So following this, you kind of like talking about you kind of like within your filmography and kind of like taking it up to the next level. Um, you were involved in Hard Gore, and um, and that film actually involved real blood play. And um, mm -hmm. I was wondering if you could tell us, tell people who may not be as familiar with kind of um, your inspirations with that. You and I personally have talked about like the GSKD trilogy and things like that. But then also, um, I think it'll be interesting, like how did you meet people that would be willing to perform blood play on screen um, for, your, for your film? 
Um, with blood play and needle play, it's always the hardest um, because I don't really ask anybody to do it. Like, I don't go to uh, sex workers or, you know, content, adult content creators and be like, hey, could you pierce yourself? Or like, and I've noticed that's been kind of like a trend lately. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like it. Um, but when I did a Cut Your Flesh, I started before everything. It was like an originally, like an untouched, it was supposed to be like a Sam Hill production mm-hmm. because. It was before a Baroque house. And when I did that, I found Socks. And Socks was somebody that was actually into that stuff. And instead of like doing what I was going to do with Hardcore, which is kind of like a weird, surreal film that involved real needle and blood play, but without having somebody to just do it to themselves for a film. like somebody, I wanted somebody that was really into it. Mm-hmm. I found Socks a little bit more interesting than to just put her in a short film, and I don't think she would have been cool with the content that's like in Hardcore. Um, she's more of a um, performance artist rather than like an adult content creator. Like she doesn't do any adult content stuff. Yeah. Uh, so once I started working on that and posting stuff, and then Red Tragedy and the Blood Crow Society trilogy, I just got a bunch of people within the community of adult content creating and uh, the kink and um, sex working community that were just interested in somebody around their area that kind of created something different than just, I guess, a production that was just people having sex. It was just like, oh, I can kind of be creative with this. I'm not saying that the other stuff is not creative, but they, like, they didn't have to just show up and have sex. Like They could kind of work play with effects or get bloody or like if they're, especially a lot of them that are doing it they're really into horror films so they kind of like the fact that it's like a horror film set rather than like i'm doing another adult film yeah um so i got a lot of people that were just interested in that and they kind of reached out um i always said after red tragedy i never really asked anybody to do anything they always came to me and I kind of worked off of what they've already done before. So I just kind of, that's how I kind of got the, the comfortability of their, what they would want to do on set. And one of them for hardcore was already into needle play and you had a pierce and she did that to herself. So, and she's done that in performances. So I, that was just what I locked onto with her. Yeah. Yeah. So when you like after, after red tragedy, now there's people uh, reaching out to you and saying, hey, I'd like to do a project with you. Do you kind of meet an actress or an actor and hear about what they're willing to do or what they're interested in and then build a film around that? Or do you have like a bunch of scripts and you find people and you fit them into what you've already have written? Like what's no, the process like? I believe it's more of the first. I believe it's more of, um, I don't really have an idea. A lot of my, a lot of the stuff like besides like uh, Vania and Green Hell and Red Tragedy and they like those had scripts like where I, ha- I wanted her to say something I wanted her to do this oh it's about this and this leads to this and this leads to that um, those had that the rest were just guidelines after I met um, whoever I was interested in like Felicia Fisher came in with Spit and um, I she was okay and ed6 from red tragedy the main girl red tragedy they were okay with they wanted to vomit so i put that in there because that's what they wanted to do that's what they were okay with so 
then I was like, okay, well, Felicia Fisher likes to vomit, so her thing would just be like nudity. She's vomiting up blood, or she's tripping out so much that blood starts to come out, and she vomits. And then it's just more of getting writing down shots that I see in my head, mm-hmm. and and then playing out the rest. Um, but it's very much whatever they have, I'll see their content and be like, okay, they're fine with this. Okay, they're fine with that. So I'll just add it in there. Right on. And, and I really don't tell them to change either. Um, there's a big thing with me thinking, or not me thinking, but other people thinking that I have like a hair fetish. Like I don't really mind girls not shaving or um, having like armpit hair or leg hair. And that's just more of being a part of the low budget production where it's like, I still let the girls do them. I do them. Like I don't tell them you have to shave for the project because I feel like that's asking too much. Yeah, definitely. Especially for them doing it for like low budget production level. Like they're definitely not doing as much as they're not uh, asking to do as much or pay as much to do the film for them. Like, so I don't really, tell them to affect their like income yeah definitely uh speaking about felicia felicia fisher she's been in a lot of your films um it seems like you guys really have like a good relationship dynamic with all the different projects you're doing and a lot of people have kind of asked about her and and who she is and all that stuff and i was just wondering like how did you guys meet and then is she exclusive to your work or does she does or does she do other projects like outside of your films as well? Like that people no, could uh, find. Felicia Fisher is a straight adult actress. She does or adult content creator. That's what she does. That's her thing. And that was her thing before I, she, I met her. Mm-hmm. I believe someone said, Hey, you should ask this, uh, this girl to be in your project. It looks like she would be interested or like something she's into. And she was the first one that was in Spit that was, like, outside of people I knew. And she's not from L.A., so she just was just 100% down. You know, didn't really have any uh, limits or wasn't too... Actually, she has no limits, actually. Um, But she's very nice and very sweet and i just we just became good friends and ever since then it's just been like i can't find anybody i just hit up the homie which is uh felicia and she either she'll come out or uh with like fluid fields i went to an area she was at during that time and we just filmed there but yeah she's just been the one that's been gung over about for filming and wanting to create and uh, that's kind of the thing that kind of pushes me too like if somebody's not really too into or not really wanting to create it kind of gets me down not wanting to create either she's the one that's like we should do this and we should film there and film there and it just uh i just continue putting her in films so you guys kind of like feed off of each other's energy and and just yeah we're, we're definitely friends that are very good friends that are very creative and uh i can't figure out something uh um to shoot, she'll be like, well, you should just do this and do that. And to certain points where I was just like, uh, let's bring that back a little bit because she's kind of taken it to like the extreme extreme. And I'm like, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> so if I know she's taking it there herself without me, I can kind of push my content farther. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's really important, especially with the kind of work that you're doing that everyone's comfortable and 
no one's feeling pushed or anything like that for sure. Um, it, it, it has to be. There's nothing else. I will, rather, I will change my script before anybody's uncomfortable or the guidelines of what people have to do or I'm very um, – I'm very um, cautious with that because I just I've seen it happen before and I've seen just messed up messages um, that get you know I reassure everybody and write it three six times three four five six times and make sure they understand because I don't want something lost in the the translation or lost in the messages everybody really has to be 100 percent comfortable and get the idea before they're even I even meet them so yeah for sure. Um, so kind of moving on past uh, a broke house, you've also re- launched uh, gross video productions and um, and and the I mean, I've heard people refer to it as a trilogy with Suck My Blood, Green Hell and the Exploration of Sin. Um, is that indeed a trilogy? Uh, not necessarily. It's just more of like a um, I, I kind of based it off the same thing with Aroma of Broke. Roma broke and um, Psycho, where you're like, "What is this? What is that?" Oh, they're under the same company. Like, it's just sort of the same thing. I feel just it. Strange films under different label and kind of trying not to kind of put like again thirty films under one title or one name. Just kind of if I can get people that are getting tired of my stuff to kind of check out other stuff of mine that's and not get bored. That's kind of the idea. Yeah, I, I totally understand. Like with me, with a. Uh... Putrid Productions, I've got a vile video underneath that. It's kind of like the umbrella of that or whatever. So it makes mm-hmm. sense that those are all under kind of like a Baroque house. But speaking of speaking of gross video, what are what are like some of the deviations? Like what I notice, especially with like Green Hell, is your content got a lot more like sexually explicit. Um, and so what, what, what stands out between like if someone's watching gross video versus like Baroque house release? Um, I think you pretty much got that. I think it's a little bit more sexually explicit. Um, a broke house is, I really try to make everything 50, 50, which is 50% horror, 50%, you know, uh, adult and gross video kind of pushes it a little bit. It's, it's not that much gore, a little bit blood, Mm -hmm. um, a weird storyline and then more sexual, which like, like, uh, suck my blood. There's not gore. There's just weird bloody stuff. Um, which is like um, a minute, uh, an homage to Lady of the Sea of Blood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which there's no gore in the only one I've seen. Mm-hmm. And um, Exploration of Sin is just a weird, surreal, experimental project that I did with uh, a performer that I liked. And she just wanted to make something. So I was like, all right, well, we can do that. And Green Hell is just... There's really no gore in it. It's just a like a thriller, adult thriller. That mo- like uh, for me personally, like home invasion is like one of my biggest fears ever, and so I actually was pretty like disturbed watching Green Hell, and I was wondering if there was a, like a particular film or anything like that that like inspired you with with that story, or oh that yeah, just- I was obsessing with Sean Costello. Uh, I wanted. To- green hell and i was like i messaged him and tried to ask questions to him and he was just pointing me to his site to read everything and i was like all right so i just watched his films the uh, forest entry and water power and was obsessing about reading that you know uh harry reams the lead in water power i guess didn't want to care for i mean in forest entry uh 
he didn't care for the movie. He thought it was too much or whatever. And I just kind of wanted to make something that was um, a, like a David Hess uh, starring roughy film type movie. And I was able to do it for pretty easily, actually. Um, and yeah, it, it was just I was just obsessing with roughies and exploitation. Yeah, right on. It, def- it definitely had that feel. And that that was uh, up until you released I Cut Your Flesh, like the longest like story narrative film that you had released. And uh, it turned out really well. I think it got a lot of really good feedback from everybody. Um, yeah, I was actually trying to go a little bit longer, but I just didn't have the budget for it. And I, I had people set up for it, but it was just there were people I haven't worked with and... Uh, it was more of the thing, I guess, of like, I was actually asking people rather than um, waiting for people to come out and be interested in it. And since it, it actually required a, like a, a male and female scenes, it's kind of harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that one, I've actually made, there's actually a longer cut that is just a forced entry cut, which is just uh, me messing around with editing and kind of a, removing the the weird um inner voices and replacing it with just flashbacks of war yeah so is that do we it, can we expect that to get released at any time or um I, I don't i don't think so probably not um just because of the the footage i i stole from like uh people releasing their uh videos to like youtube of like them in war oh, okay like, helmet footage and i just don't i personally don't feel right um showing it was just more for myself of like oh this is what my first entry would be like um and yeah kind of don't want to stumble on somebody who's been through war and hey man you sent out my film and this guy's ready to rape a girl and you have my helmet footage as his flashback for that i don't think so (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) that wouldn't be good for sure yeah so it's more just out of kind of like i guess respect for that but you know just more i guess my uh weird creative head um just to make things when i'm just freaking out a bit or having anxiety problems yeah um so i'm kind of just going through trying to go like in chronological order like the films that you've done and you've talked a little bit about um i cut your flesh but um if you give us a little bit more context in terms of like what what, like meeting socks and like kind of what direction you had going with it were like were you just hanging out with her and you're just going to record until you felt like it was finished or did you have kind of like a like a end point or a trajectory that you had in mind when you were making that film? Oh, um, with I Cut Your Flesh, if you followed the Facebook, I announced like two or three end dates that just never happened before mm-hmm. it actually came out. Um, the, uh, like I said before, when I was before when I was trying to find somebody, it was originally for a product that was something that became hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met a guy uh, that knew people who were into needle play and blood play. And he was very much a person that liked to get uh, pierced and cut up. And he was somebody I was talking to to be a part of the project, but he said, absolutely not. If there's any fake in it, like any fake uh, gore or a movie type thing, he just basically wanted to make something what I did with like what I did with socks. And I took that as already like, all right, you're out. Like your mindset's already like, like, I don't want to do this project with you or have you attached. But he pointed me to Socks, like, here's somebody I know. And I found Socks very unique and 
like I was like this like 19 year old like is one of the he described it as one of like the most craziest or does the most to this this and that and she's like younger and I was like this 19 year old is the I guess craziest person you know who does this that's weird yeah and then I talked to her and then as when I talked to her I just kind of realized that she seemed kind of like interesting on the phone and I was like so I tossed her some ideas and I drove like an hour to meet her and we sat in a coffee shop and she like showed up and was like punk rock. Her hair was like, she had short hair. It was blonde. She had black, I think like black lipstick. And like, you could see some scars on her body. And she, I could just tell like when we hung out, I was like, Oh, this is like someone I would be friends with. Yeah. And then like towards the end of the conversation, I was like, I just kind of want to make a project like on you. Like you're just interesting enough to just kind of talk to you and your stories and how you handle people. It's just kind of very like interesting. And it was more of like, she just allowed me to, to videotape what she does on a normal basis. Like, I guess normal basis, uh, like just picture everything you saw and I cut your flesh and just realize that she goes and does that without a camera. Yeah. So it's just like, that's what she's into. That's what she likes. And then she's also just quirky and, uh, yeah, I just find her very quirky and unique and very nice. And you wouldn't really think, just as I said in the beginning, you don't really think that she would be doing this. You wouldn't really think that she would be into this. And I guess that's the more shocking moment when you kind of realize that she is doing this. Yeah, I mean, she's real deal. Like when when we were hanging out at uh, Days of the Dead, she was there and she was like paying people to staple her and stuff. I think my sister stapled her and she's just she's all about it, which is really cool. Um, I was curious when I was watching it, though, uh, did you like sit down like you're talking about sitting at the coffee shop? Did you like find out the things that she's into and then said, oh, I want you to go do that? Or did you she just hit you up sometimes and say, hey, I'm going to go do this right now. Like, do you want to come film it or like? Um, yeah, it was 100% her setting up stuff because again, like if I don't want, if I don't tell people to like shave for my movies, I'm definitely not going to go tell them to, Hey, can you go like cut your whole back up for me? Like on yeah. Saturday, <laughs> like that's when I have time. So that's why it kind of took long because she was putting her body through this and then she still had to heal. So I couldn't be like, Oh, you're doing a suspension on Saturday. Um, and you think in two weeks you'll be down to like cut up your back with a scalpel? Like it was just not something I felt comfortable doing, and that was one hundred percent not me uh, letting her be her. Yeah. So it was more of she got hyped because it was being filmed, so she did it a little bit more. Um, but it was one hundred percent like her setting up. This is what we're doing. If all the scenes were just done on her back because that's what she's comfortable with of getting staples uh scalpels suspension on her back then that's what the film would have been yeah yeah so it was 100 percent what she like what she felt comfortable with and what she just uh talked out with her piercers i feel it for sure um i, I wanted one last question about uh i cut your flesh is you have that suspension scene where she's out in the park like swinging from a tree and so you guys are you guys are doing that stuff out in public, and I was wondering if uh, you guys got any trouble from anybody walking by or if people were freaked out by the fact that there's a girl hanging by her knees and her back at the park or anything like that. Um, No, but 
interesting story is that group of people who um did her suspension they're actually a group out in um uh uh north hills areas uh more like heading towards like you're heading towards north northern mid california like they do it for southern california which is like anybody who's curious in suspension or anybody who is interested in it or they want to they would just hit them up and meet them at a spot and sign up and they're professional piercers who like do this and since it's like a public park they can't really say anything yeah um, but I hit them up to do a similar documentary of just body modification before I even came up with the idea for I Cut Your Flesh or Meeting Socks. It was the same exact uh, suspension group, and I posted photos of me like at that group. Mm-hmm. But the person who invited me, I guess, I guess, was giving me a trial to see how everybody felt about it. So it was just it was like a project that was already in the trash before it started. Yeah. Um, but it's the same people did it to her and, um, they did her suspension and yeah, nobody really, the group of people do it like three or four or five people kind of are set for the day to do it. And she was set and yeah, you get some onlookers some people asking questions and because some people are definitely doing more extreme places or hanging. Like I know one girl that day was pierced like in the shin skin yeah or the side of her calf and was just one leg and that was pretty much the, like the the most harsh like the harshest suspension of the day that's gnarly yeah but i i just tried really hard to not kind of like get anybody it was more just focused on socks but there was a lot of weird uh, questions asked and there's like a, even a photo flowing around of me and socks just staring at somebody asking weird questions that were taken yeah yeah um and then moving on to your most recent film fluid fields um you shot that film in chicago and i was wondering how much truth like you've got like a little narrative for that film talking about how you and felicia end up in chicago and all that stuff and i was wondering um is there any truth to that? Like, why did you decide to shoot in Chicago versus your typical LA location? Um, be, I would just say just an opportunity to get uh, where funds came in to go to Chicago. Um, if uh, I would just kind of say say that, just if people want to believe the plot, they can believe the plot. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> Right on. I, I was really, I just watched it yesterday and I was really impressed with it. And uh, I think that's the most I've seen Felicia throw up. And uh, it was pretty awesome because I'm pretty into like vomit, vomit porn, stuff like that. And she's definitely like, she definitely stepped it up, I feel, in that film. Um, so that was really, really cool. Um, but yeah, it, we had nobody for that film. Like it was all last minute. We had to call this. We all have to call that. And it was more people Felicia knew. So like the vomit scene, if you watch the vomit scene and watch uh, Joey, the guy who's uh, pulling her hair and making her vomit, if you watch his face, he wasn't like too into the scene. So, <laughs> but, but since I kind of like helped him, he agreed and was like, all right, whatever. It's not my thing, but like, oh, but yeah. I noticed that a little bit because she like got some puke on his hand and he looked like he was like, uh... Yeah, he's definitely not about uh, vomit at all, but Felicia's 100% about it. Well, that's cool, man. He has a trooper for it, for the art. Yeah. 
Um, so at the end, and this is like, so at the end of Fluid Fields, uh, there's a text that states that the film was released on physical media and will never be released again, which has been stated for a lot of your work. And I was wondering why you've decided to kind of go that route and, uh, and just do like a one-time release for a lot of your films. Well, it's very like, it says that they're kind of clearly, maybe it's clearly only to me, but I'm not going to release it again. Like I'm not going to go through the trouble of re-editing it or finding more extras and making a DVD or Blu-ray of it just because it's not like I don't like the film. It's just more of like, uh, I don't, I don't want to go through the hassle of it again. If somebody wants to buy the film or somebody like there's somebody out there who thinks short films are like interesting enough to release and they want to release it, I will, they can take it if they want to. I'm not releasing it. It's my, it's the only one release I did. I feel it. Yeah, I didn't know if it was kind of like a because a lot of a lot of the type of cinema we're into, like it will fall into obscurity and then it gets kind of like a whole lore around it and people want it. And I didn't know if that was kind of like your intention was to kind of let them let the three hundred units disappear and then all of a sudden everybody's talking about, well, about Baroque House. For some like hardcore, that's one I I wouldn't like. Uh, I wouldn't. I, I feel that would kind of become that. Um, and it's just like I released it for free on on a Vimeo for like a screener for a day, and that just it just went so far, and it was like the weirdest people who were intrigued and hating on it, and then people loving it, and it it was just strange. And I was like, well, that's that did its its duty, like it, it intrigued people enough, and then that like that did that. Um, and I feel like Fluid Fields is the same, and. Uh, it's just more projects I put a lot of time into and a lot of effort. Um, I will keep those going like green hell, Bania, I cut your flesh, the trilogy, um, the new film coming up. Like I put a lot of time into it. So it's like, I want to keep putting those out. The rest were like, I like them a lot, but they were like done last minute. Yeah. Yeah. I feel it. Um, so one thing that you you actually mentioned uh, early in the in this podcast and you've mentioned before is that you're a religious person and I was wondering if if you being religious has any kind of like involvement or is incorporated in the films that you do like Stephen Byro's a, a very open vocal Christian and he's got elements of his Christianity in his films and I was wondering if there's any anything really like similar to that in the work that you do um no sam hell's well i guess i mean there's hidden stuff for me personally but sam hell kiko janos the baroque house is very much like uh i guess the anger and demons that i try to escape i just put it into film like something fictional like i'm obviously not gonna like get angry and lash out i try not to to be mean and horrible and i try to live my I guess, positive life. Sometimes people get the brunt of me having aggression and stuff held in, but I try to put it all into, if not gym, it goes into film and a lot of painting and a lot of um, creativity and stuff like that. So it's very much like the, the thoughts that you're asked with, like, like that people look at you weird for saying, I just kind of put it in movies and people can freak out there. Um, and, and that's basically that. I, I've always was, I was always told that, you know, like people um, doing adult films or really into gore and horror were really like kind of people you don't want to be around. So I just ended up being like once I kind of realized a lot of stuff is 
I guess for a lack of a better term or a lack of a better words, um, made up to fit a pastor's or a church's narrative. I just took it at what makes me feel okay and what I feel okay doing without kind of going into a realm where I feel uncomfortable or this is wrong or this, this and that. And I just don't find anything wrong with uh, fiction or art. Mm-hmm. Um, um, in a way of like, if I break the law or do something, I like actually kill somebody for a movie, then you're kind of going outside of art and creativity. Yeah. Um, or performance art. Um, so that's where I feel that it kind of ends for me. So as far as long as it's in the fictional art realm, I don't really think it affects anything of my religious beliefs. So I just have full reign of it now, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the case for a lot of people. Like, making films is like a cathartic experience and allows them to kind of express their inner demons and intrusive thoughts in, like, a safe way. And I think... I mean, I feel like that's the case for, like, all cinema, you know? It's, it's a, like, a safe avenue to express the darker parts of being a human being, so. That's... Yeah, pretty much. It's, uh, I mean, I have, I've kind of stated a couple times, there's paintings everywhere, there's books of my writings everywhere around my room. I, I'm getting yelled at by my girlfriend that everything's messy, but it's just all my shits everywhere in my office and slash room. <laughs> Um, and so kind of one of, one of my last questions is, so you've talked about, um, that you're working on, on a a new film and that it is potentially going to be the last Baroque house film. And so I was just wondering, um, what, what is the future of you as a filmmaker? Can you give us any context of the film that you're working on? And then is there, what's the future after you finish this project? Uh, well, like I kind of said before, Cat 4 Collective is supposed to be the umbrella. So Molly Walsh, um, Sam Hell Productions, or Cat 4 itself, mm-hmm. and then a Baroque House are three. So the fourth one is just, the, I would say it's just something of my personal interest. I'm not really like trying to make a horror film or a gore film. If it's like a comedic short or it's, something, it's just more of Sam Hell Productions, that's what I would kind of do. And it's just more of like, uh, releasing something online or releasing something that is more performance art, um, and free to view would probably be the last thing, like when I have time to do it, because, uh, doing these kind of productions is getting a little expensive and it's getting a lot of time consuming. And, um, I have a lot of things, going on in my personal life and family and family now that it's kind of like it's taking it, it's going to take away from that and i don't need to really put that much focus on that anymore mm-hmm. uh, the new film love dump is kind of my like the last straw of like me giving into i guess um releasing uh, how's a good word releasing in a sales sense as in like if it does bad or if, it, if people hate me for it or people hate this film it doesn't really matter to me like it's just this is that's that for a baroque house and i just got kind of uh i got kind of um not pissed off but i got kind of like inspired of people really bashing a film not because it's bad but just because it takes their like things they don't like Mm -hmm. 
like um with torment for example um great film to kind of bring up but um the people it was too extreme for mainstream release was supposed to be too extreme but the only thing they talked about that it was a gay film yeah like so and then i've noticed especially talking with the people from tomorrow productions that there's a big thing with uh male on male in horror or male leaded stuff in horror and and it just and then other stuff with like oh people don't like vomiting people don't like this uh getting told to filmmakers and distributors oh people don't like that so my thing is just like i'm just gonna explore all of that um for the last project and if people hate it whatever it's the last thing yeah i think that's really interesting within our community like of people who really like extreme films is that everyone seems to have these like arbitrary like hard lines that they're not comfortable with but the whole point of this type of cinema is to push boundaries. And it's funny when someone's got, I mean, it puts you in, it, it exposes you for the things that you may be sensitive to that you didn't realize. And then instead of be, being grateful that you're watching this film, that you finally found a film that pushed, pushed you over the edge, people get upset about it, you know? Like, and I, th- I think that, uh, I think that Torment's a perfect example of that. Well, yeah. And I think very a very small amount of those people who are very outraged in their comments. I know for a fact that they're not really that outraged because I like, I'll see a comment that's like shitting the trailer I put up and then like two weeks later, see that same name buying it. So, (laughs) um, so I mean, I think people just like attention. Um, and my attention is more in the characters I make or the flicks I make or the art. Like, I'd rather people talk trash about that than kind of figure out, like, try to talk trash about me. So I kind of in the moment to kind of make something that's just not really for the sake of being extreme, but for the sake of, like, why did this person make this? Like, really? Like, he really made this? This is this is what he made? Like, that. I'm really in that mindset right now. And... um I think even with just me posting the the page for the new film and garnering the straight first comments, I was like, oh, we're already going in the right direction. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really excited when it comes out. And, and based off of what you're saying, it sounds like it's going to be really interesting and cool. Uh, yeah, everything falls into place, hopefully. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, that's all the questions that I have. So I was wondering if you had any final comments that you'd like to make before we kind of come to a close. Um, well, like I said in the beginning, like half of the titles are not coming back in stock. So if you want to watch anything we've talked about, uh, I would just grab them up because some aren't coming back. So you may have to hop on to some adult site to watch it because no one else will put these films, will allow this, the presentation of these films on anything. So, um, yeah, I would just head to brokehouse.com and try to find something. Try to find physical media before you're not going to be able to find them anymore. And yeah. you don't know what we're talking about. For sure. Isn't there like 20 copies left of the Blood Crudes films? Um, it varies. Um, I kind of got a little confused earlier because there was like a group of people who bought like all the films and then it said Sea of Blood out of stock. And I was like, that's weird. And then I realized I was like, oh, I probably just put stuff I've had like put together. Mm-hmm. But then I looked in there and it was like another 20 left and I was like, oh, okay, so we're almost out. I feel it. But, um, well, since Steven already said stuff, um, that's, that's, that will probably be redone again. Yeah, yeah. So, 
so for people who haven't haven't heard um unearth films is probably going to be releasing the blood creds inside trilogy um <laughs> actually the full film too so what what do you mean is it going to be like a full it's going to be connected you together like put together like sort of like an anthology like there will be no play uh well i'm sure there probably will be but like you can hit play and a, a new content will come up kind of stringing one two and three to play back to back that's awesome that's yeah. exciting news well yeah so we can film that in the coming uh coming month cool yeah all right <laughs> Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. And for everybody listening, go to abrocast.com and buy what you can because it's going to be gone one day and you're going to be sad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Uh, no problem, dude. All right. Peace. Peace.